Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to change the landscape of podcasting as you know it in professional wrestling. This is the Game Changer Podcast. Featuring the greatest asset to come out of Canada, the legendary Mr. Brett's. As well as featuring yours truly, the game changer, Nate the Effin Great. I've had it! It's time for you to start listening to somebody else, and that somebody else is gonna be me, and it's gonna be right now! The dirty secret is you need this generation more than it needs you. You're not gonna come out here and talk about how it should have been you, it should have been me, it should have been you, it should have been you, it should yeah, it should have been you, it should have been you eight years ago, and it was kinda. We change the game one day at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready, let's do this. Nathan Grundum, this is WWE superstar Lacey Evans, and first and foremost, I want to say congratulations because five years of doing anything deserves a congrats. I mean, it takes lots of hard work and dedication, um, as you know, um, to make anything happen. With that being said, you have done that for five years, five years of podcasting, so I want to personally tell you congratulations um, for sticking with it and making things work and I want to also say thank you for the support and you noticing all the hard work that I put in because Lord knows it's a lot. With that being said Nate the Great from Lacey Evans the one and only. I want to personally once again, congratulations man keep it going, keep it classy and don't be a nasty. Hey everyone, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling so Calval, you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Sending lots of love from California. Woo, woo, woo. You know it.
You know, guys, we try here at the Game Changer Podcast to be as positive as possible. This is going to be a tough one to get through because there's been a lot of negativity within the last 24 hours. But first of all, hey, how you doing? I'm Nate the Effing Great, the paladin of positivity, and I'm being joined here by a person who apparently is not very fond of any time that I make bad jokes, that being Drew Carey Jr., the one and only Mr. Fretz. How's it going, good sir? Uh, not so bad, good brother. Uh, you know what? I'm a little bummed. This week has kind of sucked if you're a wrestling fan. And, you know, waking up to what we heard today, too, just is uh, sad icing on the shit Sunday. But, you know what? We're doing good. Ah, yeah, man. I don't know what else to say. Well, I kind of do know what to say because I have to introduce the fact that we got not one, but two guests on this episode of the Game Changer Podcast. The first one being here is the founder of one of our sister podcasts, he is probably one of the biggest loud mouths you'll ever know, and right now he is just playing a little bit of, I honestly don't know, he could be playing Animal Crossing for all we know. He is the one, the only, Willie T, Mr. Will Terrashell. You know, I wish you know, I was playing Animal Crossing. My friends have been, like, three of my friends trying to get switches, and one of them found one, so it's been pretty crazy out there, but yeah, dude, the Fink's dead, Rusev's dead, Zack Ryder's dead, and by dead I mean release, but um, <laughs> I guess, I guess first, Hey, my stimulus check came in, so uh, that's good for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here, Nate. Last time uh, we were on a podcast together, I think I was also drinking Coors Light. And also, I was yelling about some movie. So let's see if they continue, continue, continue the truth. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did do that. Because for some reason, I was going back to when we... Uh... We're doing, we're doing the, uh, what was it, the Game Changer Podcast versus Kings of the Rings, but it's like, no, we did one even after that. I forgot about that. And what's also crazy is that during the uh, memory parts of Facebook, uh, it re- it showed the video of our reaction to the Johnny Gargano-Adam Cole match from NXT TakeOver New York, where there's people that are leaving, people that are excited, people that are crying, and then there's you just being like, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Exhausting weekend. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And ladies and gentlemen, we also have another guest on here. They are possibly the lion tamer of the Kings of the Rings podcast because Lord knows this person basically has to break up the fact when Willie T and King Ricky basically have a go at it, or they just like to bring a little bit of sunshine to the show. This is the one, the only, the royal bee, Kate Murphy. How's it Hi. going? <laughs> Oh my gosh! And honestly, this is awesome because I think we've been trying to get you on the show for so long. It's been like a year it, of us talking about com- me coming on the show, and then we almost did, and then hadn't. Oh, that's right. I do remember that because I remember we met at uh, the tailgate party, and mm-hmm. instantly I was just like, "I love this person. I want her on the. I want them on the show." And yeah, like you said, year went by. It's like, wow, we need to get on this. Like. I can't believe Mania, like, Mania was a year ago, and look where we are a year later. Fucking quarantined, unemployed. <laughs> New York extended it to fucking May 15th. Oh, well, Wisconsin is yeah. May 24th. That won't be the last one, either. I know. Oh, Ontario's, like, the end of May, so... No May 2 4 up here. Campgrounds are shut. The beach is shut. Uh, even though people are still getting ticketed, like, one guy got... Stuck on the sand dunes at the beach up here. Uh, cops helped them out and then stopped them with a fifteen hundred dollar ticket. 
Holy shit. <laughs> They're not listening, man. City people, I'm telling you. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair... Torontonians. Let's say Torontonians, okay? Torontonians. I have to remember that now. Jeez Louise. You and Susie Kennedy are giving me, like, new things to put in my di- my dictionary this year. And, Jesus Christ, this is, this is going to be absolutely insane. Oh, guys, so it is a Kings of the Rings as well as a Game Changer podcast crossover deal. Uh, honestly, guys, I've been looking forward to this since we kind of made the announcement. Uh, unfortunately, one of the reasons why we've kind of had this happen was because, unfortunately, the liaison of King to the Rings podcast is unfortunately feeling under the weather. Uh, we just want to say right now, King Ricky, when you listen to this, we're thinking of you, we love you. Hopefully you have a speedy recovery so that you can come back and be a p- part of the WrestleLife Radio family. We miss you a lot, but we miss you bunches, bud. Well, soon, Ricky. Hey, man, speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wait. Okay, okay. Well, okay, this is... On behalf of the Game Changer podcast, because apparently... <laughs> Because <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, Will and T were just like, you know what, I'm okay with this. I'm just fine. Hey, man, you, know, I lo- you know I love playing the heel. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is very true. <laughs> I was just expecting a Skype call from Dusty Dave out of nowhere right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be just fine, so it's okay to make fun of him now. Oh, man. I, I, I will say. Okay, but this last week was fucking stressful. I thought he was fucking dead for three days. Yeah, it was pretty, it was really stressful. Not gonna lie, I was pretty concerned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. Well, yep. Oh, oh gosh. We'll probably be back next week. Our WrestleMania uh, review got delayed because I couldn't get Ricky's audio. Um, so that will be out as soon as possible, and then we'll be back on a regular schedule, I guess, next week. Hopefully. Hopefully. Whatever he's uh, up to the challenge. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Uh, so as will basically. Uh, alluded to earlier, unfortunately, one of the bit of bad news that we have to mention is earlier, actually today, as we're recording this, uh, it was announced that a uh, legendary Hall of Famer and ring announcer Howard Finkel passed away at the age of 69. So we wanted to just offer our thoughts, wishes, and condolences to the family of Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel, for those of you that might not know who he is, he basically he was basically the OG announcer of all of wrestling. I'm not even kidding. That it is legit. One of those guys who has been in the business for so long, and he hadn't lost a step. And if you don't believe me, check out the CM Punk introduction at Survivor Series 2011, and you will know that he is still on the ball, and he hadn't missed a step at all. But this is just one of the. This is one of the toughest things that we're going through right now. We have we have to talk about the releases, and then we get hit with this bombshell. It sucks. I mean. Howard Finkel is, uh, I can speak for probably a good chunk of us, that he is the voice of our childhoods. You know, even though I'm I'm older than all, uh, than all of you here, it's when I first started watching wrestling, it was the first thing I heard. It was like, from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, weighing 234 pounds, Brett Hitman Hart. And since then, you know, Finkel's just been, well, even since, well, I don't know what, the 70s, he was Vince McMahon's first employee for the WWF. Jeez. And he's been loyal for him since then and he's had some memorable and i'll say not so memorable moments on tv uh, don't look up his feud with harvey whippleman or tony chimmel they, they were crazy <laughs> they, they, were, they were bad but they were like good bad but how i think the best 
ring announcer of all time in any sport. Like, he blows the buffers out of the water. Like, not even in the same league. He, he, he definitely blows Michael out of the water, right? Michael's a one-trick pony. Bruce is a whole other animal. But that's, that's a debate for another day. Uh, but, yeah, Howard Finkel, uh, way before my time, but, you know, going back and watching old stuff, he's, he's the Fink, man. He's, he was really, like, he took a regular job of being, like, a ring announcer and made it into a character. He's probably the first one and made it into an actual character. I miss him. And, you know, it's actually kind of crazy because he does hold a special place in my heart because... Uh, SummerSlam 2004 main event with uh, Randy Orton and Benoit had Howard Finkel as the guest referee because uh, Lillian Garcia got, I guess, quote-unquote injured during the Triple H Eugene matchup. And one thing I remember from that from his ring announcing was that apparently the microphone was acting up or something like that because it just, for some reason when Randy Orton was coming out, it just kept getting like all muffled and kerfuffled and stuff like that. It's like, the following counters, good for, for, for the World Heavyweight Championship. It's like, is he eating the microphone or something like that? I, I don't know if they fixed that like on the WWE Network, but I just remember that so wholeheartedly. Uh, and then my first WrestleMania was it featured Howard Finkel once again. He was doing the announcing, and of course, he announced the main event of Triple H and Batista. Just he creates a magic that cannot be replicated. He'll be sorely missed. But hey, he's doing ring announcing up in heaven with so many other great legends. Oh my gosh. Him and Mean Gene are, like, fighting for airtime. <laughs> well, well, the weasel Bobby, pops Bobby in. Bobby the Brain Heated, and Bobby the Brain Heated is just inter- interjecting, that's not fair to Flair! That's not fair to Flair! He's not dead yet, Bobby. He's <laughs> like... Uh, yeah, uh, I, know, I know it's supposed to be, supposed to be all sad here, but, uh, how, how is Rick Flair outliving all of these people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I mean, Brain, Brain, Brain... Yeah, that's that makes sense. Bobby the Brain has been sick since like two thousand one, but like I know Fink had a stroke recently too, so it's not like he wasn't he hasn't been doing so well uh, in the past few years. But you know, sixty nine is young. That's a that's a that's a young age. This is going to be one of those situations where it's like it's like it's like betting odds right now are who's going to die first, uh, Vince McMahon or Ric Flair. And people are probably going to be saying Vince McMahon at this point. I think Vince McMahon is going to die before Ric Flair. Uh, Vince, Vince has, ha, has, those, has some relatives. Like His mom is like 99 years old. He's got good genetics. Uh, my grandpa on my dad's side lived to be 94. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to get half of that, but... <laughs> geez. Why would you want to live to be that old? I, I don't know. Like that's, people that's a that are like... Approaching their 100th birthday? Why do you want that? I'll, I'll, I'll pass. I'll be lucky to make it to 69. What are you nuts? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I will let everyone say nice if I die at 69. It'll be in my will. <laughs> if I die at 69, it'll be on my... It'll just say nice on my tombstone. nice. I, I, I want I want your tombstone, Kate Murphy, to just be like Kate Murphy, beloved ukuleleist, sixty nine. Just just a random number right there at the bottom. Nice. Six nine four twenty. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Right. Sixty nine four twenty. That up and say Pippin eighties. So another thing that we 
just literally been kind of monitoring over the last 24 hours is the fact that WWE has decided, hey, we're going to let some people go. The list has been insurmountable, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the whole deal with Vince McMahon, where he stated in, I don't know if it was like a press conference or if this was just something he put out online, uh, he stated, what was that? They do like a, do like a, like a monthly phone call, something like that. Oh, that's right, what it was. Press call, quarterly something. So, a conference call. All right, all right so, so a conference conference call uh, that over forty percent of the employees in WWE are going to be let go. So, in addition to what we have now, there's probably going to be at least double, if maybe not triple, of that amount of people that are going to be let go. And honestly, it all started with this past Friday with the revival being let go and. A lot of people were celebrating. A lot of people were happy because, hey, Revival's out of their contracts. Hey, they could finally do stuff. They could finally go wherever they want to go. Then Wednesday hit, and it's like, I'm sad now. And we'll tell you why. Because as of right now, here are the, the names of people who have been released. This includes talent, coaches, as well as producers behind the scenes. Uh, for talent, we have Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Heath Slater, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Rusev, No Way Jose, Sarah Logan, Mike and Maria Canellis, Aiden English, EC3, Leo Rush, Eric Young, Primo and Epico, for me, finally, Eric Rowan, uh, Diana Perrazzo, uh, Alexander Jasik, MJ Jenkins, Josiah Williams, Dorian Mack, and referee Mike Kyoto. Performance Center coaches, Serena Deeb, Kendo Cashin, Ace Steel, and the producers, Kurt Angle, Lance Storm, Mike Rotunda, IRS, Sarah Stock, Dave Finley, Fit Finley, Shane Helms, Hurricane, Pat Buck, Sean Davari, Scott Armstrong, Lance Storm. Honestly, this is probably one of the hardest hitting releases that we've probably had in quite some time. I remember watch, looking on WWE.com when they said that, hey, this person's been released, and there's sometimes where it's like, no, not this person. Or I'd just be like, huh, that's kind of kind of interesting. But Who, who are you most sad about? Because me personally is Mike Kyoto. I fucking love my piece of Mike Kyoto. I'm on the same boat as you. I literally saw that, saw that and then I had the audacity to look at YouTube, and the first thing I saw was Making of a Legend, and it shows Mike Kyoto holding up an arm, I think it was like Edge or Jericho or somebody like that, and I'm just like, fuck. It's really... He's been with that company. Um, he was their first employee. He deserved to be fired like the least. Well, I mean, here's the thing about a lot of these, these firings and well, releases in general, at least from my take, like, WWE is hemorrhaging money right now. They lost so much money because of WrestleMania, like that. They probably relied on that. I mean, we see releases every single year at the after WrestleMania season. Anyway, they get the one best payout, and then they get see the door. But you know, like it, they're an essential business, short, but they're not getting ticket revenue. They're not getting nearly as much merchandise. They're not getting. They missed all of WrestleMania. Their budget is probably been cut in half. So that forty percent cut makes sense to me, but. When things kind of die down and they're touring again, they're making more money. A lot of these people, especially the producers and specifically Mike Kyoto, 
are probably going to be brought back just right now. And the producers, they don't need them right now. There's no, there's literally no use for them. So well, the oh, sorry. Oh. oh, go ahead, Francis. It's your show. You can cut me. You cut me off. It's <laughs> <laughs> not my attention. And because I can't see you, I mean, no. It's just that they're only producing certain kinds of TV, right? So there's no. There's no audience, and with isn't there still some kind of rule about only a certain amount of people gathering at some point in time? Producers are going to be part of that. That is true. Yeah, I think I think it's still probably the law is still stating like no more than ten people. Which <laughs> I think I remember listening to an episode of Solomon's, and they were saying like, "How are you going to do that with Money in the Bank, where you're going to have all this multi multi people ladder matches?" And you're probably going to have all these announcers still involved in this as well. How how the hell are you going to do that? Unless you're like, shocked, Money in the Bank is still happening. I think a lot of people are, and there's some people that might even be shocked to know that there is probably going to be a double or nothing happening, just not the one happening in Vegas, which makes me very sad. Yeah, they rescheduled the date, so whoever bought tickets to the double or nothing can have tickets. Those tickets can go towards the next year, but they're doing their quote unquote, I think, double or nothing on like Dynamite. Which makes sense, and plus they're going to crown their first ever TNT uh, champion, so <laughs> so much excitement. It's a dumb, it's a dumb name. Well, blame Ted Turner for that one, probably. I'd rather blame ACDC for that one. Boy, boy, I fucking I hate that song. I'd rather blame ACDC. <laughs> hey, I, I fucking love ACDC. They're probably like top three, five bands of all time for me, so... I love you. I love you so much. I love you almost more than Kate Murphy. <laughs> oh! Wow! Oh, wow. my gosh. I, sorry, sorry, Kate. I said almost, alright? <laughs> and I feel the love in this group. Can <laughs> you feel the love tonight? No! <laughs> You're a great friend. <laughs> oh, friend zone! Well, oh, Jesus. damn! <laughs> wow, true colors are being revealed here on the Game Changer podcast. I'm the Disney sing along to be insulted. I'm mad. <laughs> not insulted. You are still the one and only love of my life, Mister. It's a close second. <laughs> I'm happy to right. be a third wheel. A story of my life, man. Yo, honestly, Mr. Fred's low, low, uh, real talk, me too, dude. Probably <laughs> <laughs> being a third wheel. <laughs> well, I don't mind it at all. Hey, 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 hey Fred, you're higher up than I am with Noelle Foley. Because <laughs> literally, I've, I've established the fact that I think I'm like her number four. Where it's like, her dad's number one, uh, her boyfriend, Frank the Clown's number two. There's probably some other wrestler that's number three, and I said I'm number four. I know that's what it is. She's like, hey, that's still within the top five. It's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Hey, you're still in Francis Fay Five. Hey, every Sunday or Monday, Russell Out of Radio. <laughs> oh, jeez, dude. Uh, cheap plugs all around. But no. Uh, if you can you go? Can you run down the uh, the list here? Because I mean, I don't know if you guys. I know you guys are on Twitter all the time, but like, I actually took a peek for once, and people are actually really fucking angry that a lot of these people just got released. Um, but I'm just curious. Do you, like, you guys, are you guys like surprised? Like, were you got like, initial reactions for all these people getting released? Do you think it's kind of unfair? But, like, specifically with the 90-day no-compete clause. Uh, Kate Murphy, why don't you start with this one? Um, I don't think they're done, number one, 
Because they only cut people from Raw. They haven't cut people from SmackDown yet. They haven't cut any other women. They haven't cut NXT. I think more coming. Shit, Kate. We just suck the air out of a room. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, if they touch Elias... Um... He just won WrestleMania, so I... I'm worried... I just, yesterday, I had to turn off my phone and disappear because I was just really upset. I think Zack Ryder was what set me over the edge. Oh, my God. That, that did, too. Like, I'm kind of glad Ricky's in isolation right now. Because I, I don't want to be the one to tell Ricky Zack Ryder got released from the WWE. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, damn it. Well. Guys, the guy's fine. I'm doing better. Ha-ha, Zack Ryder's gone. <laughs> Hey, you want to be the new third in Kings of the Rings? Will got fired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we just pour one out for the homies for Heath Slater? Oh, God. I, that, right there. Literally, I poured my beer into my whiskey glass. Done. All right, here's, here's my theory about Heath Slater. Um, Vince McMahon pulled him into a room and said, hey, pal. So, <laughs> we got a plan for you. We're going to let you go. But we're going to have to point to have a 24 documentary. You're going to get fucking ginger ripped. <laughs> you're going to do a TNA. You're going to win the Ring of Honor Championship. <laughs> Bring you back. You're going to be form 3M band of all champions. <laughs> <laughs> 3M band of SummerSlam. 3M band I'm just, oh god! I'm just, I'm just imagining now, just like all three of them holding the world titles. Drew McIntyre's got the WWE title. Jinder's got the Universal title. Heath Slater's got the NXT Championship. Just yeah, I kind of no. want that now. <laughs> Don't play games with my heart, Ricky. I mean, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, like, but like, even remember, like these guys um, are on a contract. So when you, when you released from a contract, like they still kind of get their 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 their, their guarantee. The downside guarantee. Um, oh. So, like, you know, Rusev, I believe I, I heard this from, I think, Matt Men. They said Rusev's contract was up at the end of the month. So they could have just let that ride out and then release him and not really have the 90-day compete clause. But instead, they released him, and he still gets his guarantee with 90-day compete clause. But it doesn't make a difference because they can't go wrestle anywhere anyway. So, you know, WWE kind of did their talent a solid here with the 98 OKP clause. So they're going to get paid Gallus and Anderson. They're going to get paid a ton of money for, for 90 days when they couldn't work anyway. Yeah. That's true. So, like, WWE had to do what they had to do for a business reason. But they, at the same time, they kind of took care of their talent, at least on screen. The producers might be fucked. Like, Lance Storm has closed down his school. <laughs> so, he's probably pretty pissed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, will, I will say this. I am kind of sad to see that Hurricane's gone as well. Uh, Kurt Angle was one that I kind of was shocked at, too. I was like, he's, he's still under contract? I thought he'd be like an, under, like, a Legends contract or something like that, but... Yeah, maybe that's what they let him go from, but... It makes no sense to me, though. You would think that, you know, with a Legends contract like that, he only gets paid by, like, maybe by appearance or something like that. But what do I know? I'm, I'm just I'm just a lowly Mark fan that doesn't know anything about WWE. What do I'm I know? I'm microphone. <laughs> he was a producer for Monday Night Raw, apparently, but, uh, with, his, oh. uh, with his black son, Jason Jordan. 
<laughs> my black son, coming to stay. My black son, and he's also a ninja. <laughs> the, the one that really that, that made me sad was Drake Maverick. I mean, not not only his video on Twitter, but just uh, Drake Maverick's like EC3. I never got into either of them when they were in TNA because I wasn't watching at the time. All the mark for them when they were in TNA. Re- retroactively. Like, I'll have to look into it, because to me, EC3 is Derek Bateman, uh, because I never saw anything from, from that. And like, really? That guy? Okay, but he's he's damn good now, I know. But Drake's video, oh, that just ripped my heart apart. And, <laughs> dude, he has to go back and film his match for the 205 Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. That hasn't been filmed yet. <laughs> That's rough. He, 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 one thing I, I loved, he's like, hey, when, when I'm out there, you're going to have my all. I'm like, I, I wanted him to win when he was initially announced, but now that they're just about to crown an interim champion, you don't want an interim champion that just got effing released because they're going to make you know vacant the ten time cruiserweight champion again, and you're starting from square one. Like it sucks, but it it, su- it sucks just as much that uh, Devlin's not the champ right now because. Just imagine the oh. defenses he would have been having over New York. Bro, I'm fucking mad. <laughs> I was about I to know, say, don't I you know. be talking about Kate's daddy, all right? <laughs> well, I thought it was a joke. I saw it on his Twitter, and I thought it was a joke, and then I saw it on WWE that was real, and, and fuck that. <laughs> well, fuck, it's not fair. I need a visa, like a work visa. No, it's because he had to go back to fucking Ireland because of coronavirus. Right, so it's like a work visa thing. Yeah, but like no, like his visa didn't expire. He just went home. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, but no. Expire was yeah, it was Rhea Ripley. Yeah. And then Pete Dunn's back in England, so Pete Dunn like isn't wrestling. Champion got deported. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but his champion partner though. Oh, oh boy, what well, do, do, okay, do I do I do I want to know? Do I want to know who his tag team partner is? Uh, Timothy Thatcher. Oh, okay. So they got him. Oh gosh! So 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 you got the bro and a, and a creepy bastard. Great, great. That's that's wonderful. That's a teenager. Uh, yeah. That's a teenager reference we talked about before the ca- before the camera started rolling. <laughs> okay. yeah, I only get the creepy little bastard one, and that's when uh, Christian was Captain Charisma. Oh okay. Or or just point out a little bastard, which is Hornswoggle. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, isn't he like your neighbor or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not really, but I mean, I go to the shows enough to where it feels like we could be neighbors. And hey, I'm come hell or high water, I'm still going to have that interview with him at the end of the year. So that just needs to be a thing. So, all right, I think we talked. Oh gosh, how many more people do we even have to discuss about this whole deal? I, I will say this: that the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's some of these names that I don't really know too much. Like the performance coaches, not too familiar with them. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, well, they got to make cuts somewhere, and I guess they don't need you know 20 different coaches teaching so many different things. Uh, also, I'm looking forward to revival being on Talk Is Jericho, whether they're in NWA Power, Impact Wrestling, or AEW. Rock and Roll Express versus Revival. Book it. <laughs> well, I mean, oh please, no. Well, here's a question for you. Um, obviously, the revival.
five are going to go to AEW. That's yeah, like almost a guarantee by now. The question is when, you know, because AEW is debuting these people like like Matt Hardy, which would have gotten a huge pop, and Brody Lee, which would have gotten a pop at least. Especially, like, recently, like, you're trying to develop these new characters, specifically Brody Lee, to a no audience. I think you should save it until the audience comes back and then debut the revival. Because AEW, they're not making any money either. You know what I mean? Like, where, are they going to start having cuts? You never really know. It could possibly happen. I know that, um... Uh, our good friend Issa, uh, Demon Diva, actually put out a tweet that I actually agreed with, where she was talking about how people are, you know, talking about, oh, they're going to be cut, they're going to go to AEW, stuff like that, and she made a good point that you also made, made well, is the fact that with them not making that much money, there's no guarantee that they're going to be, you know, brought on right away, and like you also yeah. mentioned, it's it's a situation where, you know, do they want to debut them in front of no crowd? Doesn't seem exactly like a win-win situation for them. And again, they can't, they can't, they literally can't sign them until July. 90 days, it's around, it'll be around July. So, if, assuming things are back to somewhat normal, when they can start touring even small buildings, another thing, WWE did a favor for specifically for the revival. Like, there is like, alright, we're gonna release you, we're gonna pay you, and by the time you're 90 days up, we're pretty much going to set you up for success. <laughs> that actually sounds about right. Except that they're going to call the No, never mind. <laughs> Matt Hardy. Like they, gave, they, they gave Matt Hardy a TP angle with Randy Orton right before he got released. They did him a favor. They're doing better. But let's hope, let's hope they do better. Because I honestly think that from going from nothing to something is 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 honestly a lot better. Because they weren't being used since their last deal in January, I think it was. Yeah, I think their last match was in January, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, you guys. And when we come back, it's time to, for us to talk about a game-changing topic that, honestly, guys, it's really hard to overlook. Something that is phenomenal as this. So stay tuned. We will be right back. What's going on, everybody? This is the Queen Bee, the HBIC of Wrestle Addict Radio, the Kate Murphy. Why do fools fall in love? Should I change my Tinder bio? These questions and more will all be answered on our new Patreon-exclusive show, Love and War. Watch me and King Ricky Rose tackle the questions and struggles of finding love as a wrestling fan. Love is a battlefield, and this is Love and War, exclusively on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. What's up, folks? This is Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast, here to tell you about my Patreon show, The 20 Bell Salute, where I go back 20 years ago each month in wrestling and pop culture. What movies were out, what video games we were playing, what music we were downloading on Napster, and what wrestling pay-per-views took place that month in WWE and what other promotions happen to still exist at this time. So join me in my Y2K-compliant DeLorean as I go 20 years into the past on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. Join us for only 5 bucks a month. Welcome back to the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Coda Jacobs, the crusader and visionary behind a brighter future in wrestling. If you're an honorable and noble public servant like myself, you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast. I am in the top 1%. Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, as we are continuing this whole quarantine life. Yeah, we like to keep things positive. We like to keep things fun. It's kind of hard sometimes. I've already put in, like, so many, like, tally marks on my wall right now. It feels like I'm in a prison. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not not that crazy yet. So, for this episode of the Game Changer Podcast, uh, other than having our glorious guests here, Willie T, as well as Kate Murphy... Thank you so much for being a part of this, you guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about something that was monumental in WrestleMania, that being the Undertaker's undefeated streak. So, for those of you that don't know, basically this was a situation where, honestly, it worked more in Undertaker's favor somehow, where ever since he debuted at WrestleMania, let's see here, I'm trying to it, WrestleMania 7 in 1991, he had been going on a bit of a streak to just defeating everybody which way to a point where basically was just like WrestleMania, Undertaker wins, lols. Uh, But yeah, looking at some of these matches, some of the Hall of Famers that have been stepped into the ring with him, some of the earlier matches are kind of forgettable, Um, but there's a lot of the later ones that really are sticking out here. But I think I want to talk about a couple of these matches and get like everybody's you know thoughts on them. Uh, one that kind of stands out to me, the first uh, first WrestleMania matchup that kind of does se- seem to have like some kind of story, some kind of interestingness, uniqueness to it, uh, was his second matchup at WrestleMania eight between him and Jake the Snake Roberts, because this was when he was turning slowly into the babyface, and this was after he had prevented Jake the Snake from trying to hit Elizabeth and Macho Man with a steel chair, and there's that classic moment where 
uh, Jake ha has a line of, you tell me, whose side are you on? And Taker just goes, not yours. And we got that, oh, we got that awesome tombstone on the outside. Just the buildup for this matchup, as well as just that finish, was just absolutely phenomenal. And especially now that we see what Jake the Snake is doing nowadays, holy shit. I mean, he hasn't lost a step even since 1992, or even further beyond that. Um, but I don't know, do you guys have any memories as far as, uh, the, uh, as, far as this matchup here? Anybody could start. Uh, not really. This, this was just uh, an early tanker squash, basically, because, well, Jake was on his way down to WCW at this point in time, and they just sent him, they, Taker just sent him packing, and, and WrestleMania 8 is one of those anomalies where, allegedly, we were supposed to get things like Hulk versus, uh, Hulk versus Flair, uh, Taker versus Sid, uh, Macho Man versus Roberts was gonna have the blow-off match, like, allegedly, rumor in any window here, slash my fantasy booking, uh, it's, that's just a typical, like, the first few Taker Mania matches were not good. <laughs> it wasn't until one later on that maybe you already have on file that things started to pick up a little bit. Uh, yeah, honestly, the matchup that you're probably referring to is his matchup at WrestleMania 14 with, that's gotta be Kane! That's gotta be Kane! One of the best debuts that you could possibly have. The build-up, basically, where Taker's just like, for I will never hurt my own flesh and blood. And then he basically just decides, you know what, I'm going to basically set you on fire. And that's where Taker's like, really? Okay, let's go then, bro. <laughs> and we got the matchup between him and, uh, T and uh, Kane and Taker at WrestleMania 14, which, in all honesty, I thought this was a pretty good ma matchup. I mean, we literally saw Kane hit a tombstone on The Undertaker, Taker's just like, nope, and they took not one, not two, but three tombstones to beat Kane, which was unheard of at this point. I the think at that time, Kane was the first person to kick out of the tombstone. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, and the match, the match itself, I mean, Kane and Undertaker was interesting. They've had really cool stories, but the matches have always kind of been black. For me, they're not bad. Like the rest of me, a fourteen is probably their best match together. That first one, but in general, the match is kind of eh. But that story, because that was that was what wrestling fans have been claiming for long term storytelling. It started in October of ninety seven and went all the way to March of ninety eight. She long time. That's a long time. <laughs> Damn right, that's a long time. Holy crap. Because, oh yeah, that's right, like a month later they had that first ever Inferno match where, yeah, that was a thing. We're just going to say that right now. <laughs> um, but no, I do agree with you, Well, I think that this was probably their best outing because you look at like everything else, including their WrestleMania rematch at 20, they've been just kind of, eh. Uh, even when they tried to relive that, gosh, what was that? That, that was like late maybe... 2012, 2011, I think it maybe been 2012, where, no, it was 2010, 2010, I, I, I'm wrong, because now I remember that was when, the same year with the Nexus, and they buried The Undertaker during that year, uh, yeah, and they even tried to get Paul Bear back, because it's like, hey, he's the key to make this mat this feud work, 
No, he's not. No, he's not. There's no saying that. Although we did. <laughs> Although we did get some humor. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> I, I, I think Paul Bear is my favorite impression I do. <laughs> oh, yes! My Undertaker in a double wide, double deep casket! Oh, yes! Jesus. Oh, yes! gentlemen when this episode goes up go to my go to my twitter handle at real effing game vote on who you think had the better paul bear impersonation mr frets or willie t i really want to see the results of this we'll reveal them next week uh, i'm not eating ghost pepper chips again nate god those things hurt why do you think that every competition involves ghost peppers that last one you brought on yourself to be fair hey remember the thing that uh, agent cooper almost cost us against friggin Will and uh, Ricky. Will, Ricky, and Dave. Uh, was he did. So, we're, not, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's pulling his dream card where it's like, the dream has no recollection of this. <laughs> it's her dream gift here. Oh my gosh. I... God, I'm, I'm hoping on my timeline sometime that we that we have the re- reminder of, of you eating that where you just literally got so hyped up after eating that pepper... That you were just you were just like you know what we're going double or nothing at Royal Rumble <laughs> just the the mat, the deal that never came to fruition <laughs> oh my god. god yeah yeah Kate you missed out on some fun times during <laughs> before you came on yes I did oh my gosh I you know we're not even gonna punish put Kate through that because we love Kate. Kate is amazing. Kate is life. Kate is wrestling radio. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I know. I'm, I'm just. I'm just that being... <laughs> uh, so, what were we talking about again? Oh, yeah, yeah. Undertaker, uh, specifically WrestleMania. Um, you know, I'll just go through a couple of these matches here. So, we had Snuka, uh, Roberts, Giant Gonzalez, King Kong, Bundy, Diesel, Meh, Psycho Sid, ugh, Kane. Diesel okay. was okay. Well, I, th- I think, didn't he, like, jackknife powerbomb Taker, like, three times or something like that? Yeah, he did the jackknife, I think, once or twice, but it, in my mind, Diesel was the first credible opponent for Taker, because he had, okay, J- Jimmy Snuka, at the end of his life, was an abomination in the ring. Also, can, can uh, I just do a short, pl- short plug here? Uh, Dark Side of the Ring, Jimmy Snuka deal, infuriated me. Uh, uh, yeah, that- I didn't watch it. It's, it's harsh. Isn't that good? To be honest, like I ex- I expected a little bit more, uh, but yeah, Jimmy Snuka is a fucking asshole. <laughs> I agree. Yep, yeah, to total piece of garbage. And the, 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 if you want, no, the one that was really hard, like literally just before we came on here, I was watching the Von Erichs one. Oh jeez. Oh, that was breaking. That was. I, I knew about all of it, but my. My goodness, but no, but uh, back to Diesel, like he, 
And Kevin Nash in his prime was, like, as Diesel in 96, he was not terrible in ring. He just wasn't a drawing champion. That's why 1995 was such a gong show for the WWE, uh, one of many reasons. But, yeah, D- Diesel was the first good one. They had Bundy, who, was, who wasn't good anymore. Gonzalez was... I'm not, I'm not even going there, but... Yeah, <laughs> Let's say Greg Colley only worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sid... You know, he's a low-key favorite, but uh, no, and no, he didn't, and no, Sid didn't poop himself in that match. Oh God, uh, <laughs> I can't believe we have a reminder of that. Um, see, after Kane was a big boss man, I think less said about that match the better. Uh, Triple H, and he fires him or he hangs him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nice. it's built as a hell of a cell match, and. Uh, yeah, there was actually almost a point where Edge almost got uh, freaking injured during during when the because uh, they were actually supposed to get above the Hell in the Cell. They had like the wires that were supposed to pull them up, uh, but his was not going. So the Hell in the Cell was kind of going up to him. It almost looked like uh, like in a lot of action movies where you see like the wall kind of coming down. And it's almost going to crush somebody. It was almost kind of like that for Edge, <laughs> but except it's just going up. Uh, uh, X Seven was Triple H, which. Fretz, you and I have talked about this match to death at this point. Uh, amazing. It, it is still pretty amazing. Uh, match with Ric Flair at, eight, at 18. I mean, fa- fairly decent, to say the least, but... Good story, and good, like uh, nice surprise to see Arn Anderson, because nobody has seen a lick of him at that point in time in several years, and when he busts out that spine buster out of nowhere, uh, before the RKO was even a thing, uh, man... The Sky Dome came unglued. It was awesome. That, that was a pretty intense match. Uh, well, it was okay match. Uh, then we go into a train wreck, literally, because it features Big Show and A-Train. Uh, <laughs> then we go into WrestleMania 20 with Kane. Uh, WrestleMania 21, I will say this. I do have a little bit of a soft spot for this one because this was actually the first uh, WrestleMania that I watched in its entirety. Uh and this matchup between him and Randy Orton was honestly pretty stellar. The fact that they built it up as legend versus legend killer, uh, the build was honestly pretty damn good. Uh, just from from both from both ends, where Undertaker was literally just like, just like, hey, it's probably just gonna be another victim, and then he slapped me, and then Taker's just like, okay, you want me to go Super Saiyan? Let's do it. Uh, Mandy Orange is like, oh, hey, how am I going to show that I'm not afraid of him? I'm going to I'm gonna hurt my girlfriend. It's like, that proves nothing now, looking back at it. And then <laughs> he involves his dad, who's going in the Hall of Fame, uh, gets an, a bit of a early shot on Taker, and then they have the match. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this matchup between him and Randy Orton, mainly because it was one of the first few times, as you kind of hit, uh, hinted before, with the invention of the RKO out of nowhere. This had to be like the first spot where it came to be. And then we hear Randy Orton, he popped his shoulder just by trying to do the tombstone to the Undertaker. Well, who told you to do that? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's your boss. Got it. Uh, Say no more. See, next then we'd have... I actually forgot this matchup even happened with Mark Henry at WrestleMania 22. Oh, yeah! Coffin match, right? Yeah, that's right. Or, or are we going to call that a... Uh, yeah, we're going to call it the coffin match or a box match. Whatever we want to call it. We can't call it a boneyard match yet. Uh, we're a little too early. 
Yeah, just a little bit. And then we have uh, him versus uh, Batista at Mania 23. God help me, I love this matchup too. This was th- this was great. This was where it really started picking up. Uh, probably when people started believing the t- streak was going to end was not until 24, which, yes, with the rated R superstar edge. Best moment. That, okay, I th- I'm sorry if I cut you off. This is your show, by the way. Um, I that is the, that's my first take a match. That's, that's 24, my first WrestleMania. Really? Not gonna lie. From what I saw of like just wrestling in general, because that was I was like, okay, Taker could lose because he kept getting screwed. He kept getting screwed. It fit Edge's character, and me being young and dumb was thinking, oh, Edge is also undefeated at WrestleMania. He was like six and zero at that point. I thought there was no way that Taker could win. And the match was fucking great. Uh, main evented too, which surprised me. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of my favorite Taker WrestleMania matches. and also one of the most underrated, him and Edge. No, I definitely do agree with you there. The, uh, the, the And he also had one of the best moments in all of WrestleMania history where Taker hits the tombstone. Here comes little Nate, Charles Robinson, running down that rampway just to get to the ring. It's one of those things where everybody's just doing the one, two, three. Finally, camera pans over. Here he is just starting the run. And it's just, oh my god, Charles Robinson created a great WrestleMania moment. Uh, I especially love when people have done, like, Chariots of Fire. They just put, like, some kind of random music right behind him running. It's great. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Insert Ultimate Warrior theme here. (laughs) Oh, my God. What was that, Will? Fuck the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, damn. Truth. Yeah, yeah, true that. Uh, and then, and then uh, honestly, then we had some really good matches. Uh, back-to-back, we had Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at 25 and 26. 25 is still my favorite WrestleMania match ever. It's the greatest match of all time. It's Not even for what they did in the ring, but for the build to it, the whole heaven and hell thing. Like... I didn't think I didn't think Taker was gonna lose, but it was every time he would lose, that was probably it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I I thought Michaels might have won that, but wow, the, the, those were just some good. I forgot about that Michaels like ascending down with the white light shit like he was Mordecai from yeah. Remember that gimmick? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the white like the uh, the reverse Undertaker, if you will, but. Those are some of the best matches, not only in WrestleMania history, but in both their careers and of all time. Like I, I like the second one a lot, just because like that finish where you know Michaels just tried to get pull one more trick up his sleeve, goes for the moonsault, no tombstone curtains. That's it for him. What? Well, uh, what? Oh wait, were you talking about uh, twenty five or twenty six? Because twenty five, I believe. We- that was twenty six. I think that was the finish of twenty six. If I'm not mistaken. Or is that when he slapped him in the face? Yes. No, that's when he slapped him right, like, slapped him in the face, and Taker's just like, you've done it now! you got him made a big tombstone. <laughs> and, and that's how, well, oh, that's God. how Michaels could have ended his career, but, yeah, that, 
that doesn't exist. The other thing no, could have been the, t- the totally. day where could have been the time where Shawn Michaels died. I mean, it was a leaping tombstone. Jesus. Well, Taker really put some stank on that one. Oh my gosh! All right, then we have back to back matches with uh, Triple H, which, to be honest, compared to the other two matches, these were kind of underwhelming to say the least. I mean, twenty seven had the brutality. Twenty eight was just so freaking long. I'm looking at it, it says it's like 30 minutes, 50 seconds. It felt like an hour, to be honest. Hell in a Cell match? Yeah. Oh, in that match. I knew Taker wasn't losing that by that. I, I, you know, we want shame on you, we want shame on me. Uh, but by that one, that's that's an amazing match. The end of an era, which wasn't the end of an era at all. It was the, end of, <laughs> it was the beginning of lies. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that match standing on its own was phenomenal. The Hell in a Cell got an entrance beat. You're talking to a huge Metallica fan here, bud, so... Except for that Remo, that album fucking sucks. But, no. But, you know, that match was just incredible. What really sold it was Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels as the referee made that match 100% because his facial expressions and, like, being in field with the Undertaker and all the Undertaker, it sold the mystique that is the Undertaker. Yeah. No, I just think he's right. was ass whooped. Triple H the fuck out of him with his chair. <laughs> Taker was black and blue after that. He looked like his uh, 1996 attire with the purple gloves. Right? Oh, my gosh. Uh, then we go into arguably what could be Undertaker's last best match at WrestleMania uh, against CM Punk at WrestleMania 29. I rewatched uh, that recently. It fucking holds up. Oh my gosh! I, I, I've, I've, I've said this on air, but I think that's one of the most overrated matches ever. Whoa! What? The match? It's not. I. It. I. It. it, it I was like, CM Punk's not winning. It's no chance CM Punk's winning. What? Well, will you go in knowing CM Punk isn't going to win? Yeah. But it's still a really good match. Yeah. Yeah, it's overrated. You know what? It's good. <laughs> Everybody's just entitled to their opinion. It's just I strongly disagree with yours, Will. I'm just going to leave it at that because last time I said something along the lines of, you know, that your opinion doesn't matter to me, I got in trouble for that, so it's like, you know what? I gotta be respectful of my responses now. And but, everyone's in the wrong opinion. Hypersensitive, man, I know. Uh, yeah, you know, I will say this, that I think this was one of the few times where I did think that the streak was gonna be over. Uh, mainly because I was a CM Punk mark no matter what. Uh, but like I, but like I said, I love this matchup. I thought it was really good. I, I think that this would be like a number... This would have to be like top five best matches of Taker at Mania. Um, I would say it would be number two or number three because I don't I don't know I I need to rewatch the twenty six match with Michaels because for some reason it doesn't hold up as high as the uh, twenty five one. That's just me. But no, there just came a point. I will say this: there was a point where uh, I had some friends over, and when the <laughs> when he hit the G- GTS and just countered it right into a tombstone, that was like, oh, what the, what? That can happen? Okay, then. Uh, CM Punk kicks out of that, and it's like, oh, there's a GTS, it's over, one, two, Taker kicks out, 
My friend, my friend Griff is just she's like, nope, not over yet, Nate. Sit down, bro. Sit down. He's just telling, just telling me off. It's like, god damn it. And then Taker won. It's like, oh. And then I was hoping Rock would win, but because of torn muscles inside of him, no, just no. Plus that match sucked. Let's face it. You want to talk about they overrated? Both sucked. <laughs> Will you want to talk about overrated? How about that Rock, Rock versus Cena match too? See, you want okay? You want to give me you want to give me talk about Rock Cena? So first, Rock Cena. Um, I was completely on the side of John Cena. I was like, I don't know why Cena's kind of the heel here. He's fucking right <laughs> in every way, shape, and form. The Rock's gonna come back and just fucking be a dick. No, 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 no. I mean, I love seeing The Rock back. Don't get me wrong, but. Everything Cena said in the build was completely right. He's like, you're a part-time pussy. I'm John Cena. It's been the, I've been the fucking number one. I love The Rock, don't get me wrong. But Cena's like, I've been number one in this company for ten years while you were all got playing the fucking Scorpion King and a fairy tale dentist. Or a tooth fairy. <laughs> I forgot about that. Scorpion King was great. And then... And then Cena lost. And I was pissed. And then the next year... Uh, Rock won a title, right? Yeah. And I was like, I fucking love The Rock. The Rock's the man. The Rock's number one. Fuck John Cena. I hope The Rock wins. But <laughs> <laughs> Cena won the title. And I was like, oh my god. Full circle, take a shot, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so, I think when it comes to Rock Cena, dude, I just have it backwards. <laughs> it's not it's all my fault. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, that's my bad. I'll take I'll take the blame on that. My total beam. Oh my gosh! And then fast forward to April six, two thousand and fourteen. <laughs> the day. The the day the time stood still. In all honesty, uh, I still go back to this moment, and I'm still thinking, how did this even happen? This just what? And the the sucky part about this was I didn't get a chance to see the matchup. Because I was doing a production during that time, and I get this te- this uh, this text from WWE saying like the streak is over. I'm like, what? You fucking fuck you, WWE. <laughs> that was my exact reaction. I was like, fuck you. No, there's no way this is happening. And I re- rewatched. Like, what? The, the, what? And I just and you know people have that conspiracy theory like the ghost of Andre the Giant was on top of a, a Taker, so that's why he lost, or the referee did like a miscue or some shit. But I was like, no, he literally was supposed to lose. And I think it wasn't until, like, what, the Vin- the Stone Cold podcast with Vince McMahon where he's like, yeah, no, I, I asked him if he would lose. And he said, he said, well, okay, I mean, sure, I guess. I said, like, thanks, pal. I owe you one. Fuck. <laughs> and we know what that means when Vince owes somebody one. Means- you know what? I'll say this. Better Brock than Roman Reigns, all right? Alright? Oh, can we all do that? Yeah. You know, because, you know, in, in the moment, people were all angry, and I was one of them. I was one of the people who was saying, you know, the streak should never been broken. It's the most sacred thing in all of sports. Um, sports, not just entertainment, sports. Um, and entertainment. Like, it's... It's iconic. It's, 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 it's holy ground. Alright? I'll go that far. Um, but you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, it was the right call because I remember going into WrestleMania 
it might even be in the archives, I think I was podcasting back then, um, that I was saying, what's the point of putting Brock in this match? Because at that time, in Brock's matches, he lost to Cena, he lost to Triple H, he beat Punk, he beat Triple H, I think he lost to one other person, but Brock was going to that WrestleMania with like a losing record, just in general on his return. So it's just like, his return was being squashed. And you look at the Brock run pre that match and post that match, it's black and white. It's black and white. And Brock became a megastar again. He became the money draw. He became what we know today as Brock Lesnar. And it had to happen. And if looking, anyone could beat that streak, it is Brock Lesnar. Because you go back and look at 2002, Undertaker never beat Brock. It's true. It's very, very true. In all honesty, you know, the way that everybody built it up, it's like he was the only one with the believable credibility to actually be able to possibly stand toe to him, toe to toe with him one on one, even outside outside like a real fight. So it was one of those things where, you know, it was a, you know, it was a good move because it had that shock value. Uh, yeah, I still think that they should have just kept the streak going all the way until he retired, just let him have the undefeated streak. But hey, we created a great WrestleMania moment and had Brock not lost to Cena and Triple H and whoever else he might have lost to. So, so funny. One more funny story. Uh, I was I was saying this is like not on the I don't think on the podcast, but it's as a wrestling fan in general, today, day I die, no one's gonna beat the streak until John Cena. John Cena's gonna beat the streak, and what happened when they finally fought WrestleMania? I'm gonna take a squash the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, the irony. That was there for it. <laughs> Man, you you and wrestling just do not. I think it's you and WrestleMania. You just are strange bedfellows where they just do not give you what you want. It's the hardest to predict. It's the hardest shit. Like when I when I got on wrestling, I would sometimes head to WrestleMania because it was too hard to predict. <laughs> uh, so WrestleMania thirty one, we had the match with Bray Wyatt, which kind of could have gone better had Bray not had his ankle injured and Taker did not look like he was at his best. Uh, <laughs> During the day. Oh, oh, God, that's right. I remember that. Because it was like during, like, I think it was just turning evening time. And it wasn't until they reached uh, Roman and Brock that was like, hey, it's nighttime now. It's like, well, this could have been a great time to have the Undertaker appearance. (laughs) Daytime meeting is weird. It it is weird. It just, it makes no sense. Um, We go to WrestleMania 32. And, hey, him and Shane, that was a thing. Oh, my God. That match gave me, a, a, like, my first wrestling-induced panic attack. That was my first high WrestleMania. <laughs> oh, when he jumped off the, uh, when he dropped mm-hmm. in the cell? Oh, geez. Yeah. It was, I freaked out, and I had to, like, walk out. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's sort of alive. He wouldn't have a near-death experience until Roman speared him in midair. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Shane, you gotta take better care of yourself, dude. You have kids, and I'm sure you would love to see your grandkid. Well, maybe. We'll see what happens. Um, WrestleMania 33, we'll kind of already talked about it. His match with Roman Reigns. Uh, we thought that this was going to be the match where Taker was going to just call it. Because everybody got emotional after that matchup. Because Taker, he got up, he put his gloves, he put his hat in the middle of the ring... He kissed his wife. We got that moment where he lifted his arm up. He just descends into the earth to where it's just like, wow, could this be actually his 
is this it? And then we'll hit it nail on the head again. One year later, we see him and John Cena. He gets squashed in like three minutes. Just because why not? Why the fuck not? Then we go to this current WrestleMania. We had the uh, Boneyard match between him and AJ Styles. What can we say about this? It's pretty awesome. It is literally one of the best things I think I've seen in quite a long time. Poor AJ Styles got completely wrecked. <laughs> and it just was what it's a first of its kind and it worked out pretty damn well uh, even though there was like no official whatsoever so there's no official deal where they were saying hey you know winner of the match is the undertaker it's like no they just let it happen because why the hell not <laughs> nothing else in life makes sense i like i said i still would have loved it if aj styles hand would have just gone from uh just holding up and then like just as we're about to see the blackout, he just does the too sweet. And it's like, <gasps> Stas not dead! <laughs> He's alive! <laughs> I would be happy if Undertaker never wrestled a real match again and only did cinematic matches from here on out. I'd be okay with that, too. Um, I mean, the rumor right now is that he might have his final match at Survivor Series, which, all honesty, I say that's the best time for him to retire. <laughs> Uh, hit that 30-year marker, and then just call it a career, dude. You've done a lot for the business. You've done so much to give us what we like, what we want. Call it a career, dude. Just just stop. We don't want to see you getting hurt, concussed, uh, or anything else like that. We, just, we want to see you survive for like years to come. But, uh, yeah, the streak in itself is a spectacle, and it's one of the best things that you could possibly have for WrestleMania. Because every single time Undertaker came on, you always were expecting something great out of it. Or something memorable out of it. And I still have very fond memories of the streak. I got, you know, I mentioned before, first one was at WrestleMania 21 with him and Randy Orton. Uh, I think in all honesty, the only matches that I might have missed with the streak here was... Um, his match at 26 with Shawn Michaels and his match at 30 against Brock. Those are the only two ones that I've missed ever since uh, watching. But a lot of these matches, they were pretty damn good. I enjoyed the fact that you know he gave us so much, and I love the fact that he was always giving us this mystique and just these wonderful things. I mean, when's the last time you saw a 7-foot tall guy just leap from the top rope onto somebody on the outside? Also, let's not talk about WrestleMania 25 because that dive was scary. That that was a rough one. Uh, yeah, I've done what I could say about the streak. Uh, Kate Murphy, you've been kind of quiet here. Uh, how much of an impact did the streak have on you as a wrestling fan? Um, sorry, I'm really high. <laughs> <laughs> and not really um. I mean, I was really upset when it ended, but like Will was saying, like I, it makes sense in retrospect. It's just it's awkward, like to look at like the number itself. Which, by the does way, that make sense? It, yeah, it does. And by the way, it's uh, twenty-five and two right now, so he still holds a huge record. But... It's great. It's a great record. It's just it's it's awkward to look at. And I disagree with Roman, but whatever. It's Roman. Brett's? Well, this is going to sound odd, so hear me out. There's only 
one guy from a storytelling perspective, not an in-ring perspective, mind you, that should have broken the streak. And that's Kane. Kane and all. Beautiful. I would have done it, say, when Kane helped the Nexus bury the Undertaker at Survivor Series 2010. I think Kane was still being bald, you know, glass-eye-looking guy, so I would have had oh. some mind games being played by Taker here with, like, say, you see, like, the lights go out, then you see the spotlight focusing on a mask in the ring. You're going back to where it all began. Uh, I, I, I was going to have some kind of convoluted plan written down here, but I worked all week. I'm tired. <laughs> I didn't have anything. You would have had Paul Bearer involved in this, and he would have been, you know, pulled out of the freezer and you know, Kane would have taken him to the embalm, to like the, not the embalming room, the cremation room, and oh. warm up the frozen tars. And yeah, but Brock, I'm I'm in the the people who say that you know the streak should never be broken. But if anyone, if it was anyone from an in in ring perspective, I mean it. it it's, it's Brock. Like, Roman, we can just forget about that because they didn't capitalize on it. Like, I cried that night, like, when he went, you know, when he did the fist and went down and everything was in the ring. And that next night on Raw, when 10 minutes of booing and Roman Reigns said three words, like, that's when my vitriol for him was really high. But, you know, now Roman's, like, one of my favorites. But yeah, the streak to me was, was huge. But it wasn't... It wasn't a thing until he faced Triple H the first time in 01. They were like, oh, by the way, Taker's undefeated at Mania. Oh, that's how I know he's winning. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really convoluted and complicated for me, but I can see various ways it can and can't work. But bottom line, never should be broken. Yep. Uh, Animal Crossing, dude. I mean, Willie T. <laughs> hey, I'm the one playing Animal Crossing. I spent five hours playing it with my nephew today. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, what are you playing? In New Vegas. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my brain. Alright, my mind's telling me no. <laughs> my body, my body's telling me yes. The streak should never been broken. My mind's telling me my my, my heart. Well, my brain say it should be broken. My heart said me, fuck, no, it should never be broken. So, you know, it is what it is. Streaks, streaks are meant to be broken. Yeah. Uh, it was just a matter of when and the right time. And in the moment, it was not the right time. But looking back, it was the only time. You know what? That's fair enough. That's very deep, but in all honesty, can't put it any better. So, we're going to take one final commercial break when we come back, guys. We're going to have a little bit of fun because why the hell not? So stay tuned. We'll be right back. What's going on, everybody? Do you remember the Monday Night Wars? You know, the quote-unquote greatest time in wrestling. Well, was it? Because this is Wrestle Wars, and in Wrestle Wars, we go and, or I go, Willie T, T Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K, goes down and breaks down week by week, month by month, pay-per-view by pay-per-view, every year of the fabled Monday Night War. I was right. WWF versus WCW with the sprinkled in ECW starting in January of 1996 all the way up to March of 2001. You will get a month by month breakdown 
of who won the Monday Night Wars. What you can expect from this show, monthly scoring system. You got the mid-card, undercard, and main event. So who is actually going to win the Monday Night Wars? You have to listen and find out on our $5 Patreon page. It's only $5, guys. You can watch along with me, Willie T, and enjoy the chaos that is the Monday Night Wars on Wrestle Wars. Hey guys, this is Nate the Up and Great. Hey, have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt? Well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts, from classic belts to the modern day belts to championship belts you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well at these guys' deals, especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship gold. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer, I'm Dean Nate the Effing Great, and I'm representing AJsBelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. This is your pool party captain, Randy Fitzsimmons, and you're listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Pew, pew!
Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am Nate the Effing Great, being joined here by Mr. Fretz from the Kings of Rings Podcast, Willie T, and Royal B, Kate Murphy. All right, so figured that since we were talking a bit about uh, the streak and about WrestleMania, it might be kind of cool for us to kind of talk about some of our earliest as well as our favorite WrestleMania moments. Because why the hell not? Even though WrestleMania was about a couple weeks ago, it's still kind of cool to kind of reminisce about some of the things that we enjoyed in wrestling, especially WrestleMania. So, uh, since he's the only one that's out of the country, Mr. Fretz, why don't you kick it off? What is your earliest? Oh, no. Yeah, we'll start with the earliest. Uh, earliest, yeah, earliest memory of WrestleMania. Okay, that, that can be one of two things. So, my earliest memory of watching WrestleMania had to be at my cousin's house in about 94 or 95, and he had just bought WrestleMania 10. So I walk down to their basement, and I see Brett versus Owen. Like, okay, this is cool. So it was through that, and, you know, that's it, actually one of the things that got me into wrestling. If, if I, I've told it before. I used to watch it with my dad at lunchtime. But the first one I watched live was, was 15. That, of course, was, you know, Austin Rock. That was... Taker boss man uh, and all those and it was at my uh, my friend's place uh, the old the the, uh, the there are two kids one my age one my brother's age and they played hockey with my brother for years and the mother was my hairdresser so <laughs> small towns <laughs> so you know get, getting a buzz cut and it's like oh James oh, Lauren's having people over for Wrestlemania you're invited okay good and oh now Nathan took a snapshot. Hey, there's Will. Hey, there's Will. Nice coach. <laughs> yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, uh, Tapestry. Oh, that's nice. I, I am, I'm playing that when I'm, when I'm off here. Uh, yeah, early, earliest one was that one, but my favorite one was when I watched X7 Live, you know, those who've listened to, to us or listened, you know, to my solo Fretzelmania stuff know that I have what's dubbed a Dave's Basement pay-per-view, and I'm not talking about Dusty Dave, because I didn't he, I didn't know him in 2001, but my, my buddy Dave, he he was like the guy that always had us over for wrestling parties, and I think X7 was the last one we ever did, so it that holds a place in my heart for that one alone, and because of how damn good the whole pay-per-view was. And, you know, since then, I would be watching them occasionally live at my place or whatever. But yeah, those are the ones that stand, that completely stand out. And something just happened to my Skype. Oh, there's Nate again. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> yeah. And, see, and I didn't have a satellite dish until, like, 2006. So, 22 was the first one I, lo- I watched live at my own house. Taped it on a VHS and just, and then it just started floating around my old workplace from person to person it was a good time edge and mcfoley my god oh my gosh i even know what you're oh man oh just just beauty uh kate murphy what is your earliest memory of wrestlemania so i didn't watch a wrestlemania live until 29 really yeah because um i got into it like as a kid but i always just like watch it like behind my parents back so i couldn't exactly just order pay-per-views Naughty Kate. <laughs> yeah, and like I wasn't very like stealthy like with the computer, so I didn't think to like try to like torrent pay per views and shit. So like I would just like catch the highlights and shit. I've since like gone back and watched them, but Twenty Nine was the first one I ever watched live. Wow, 
did you have a favorite WrestleMania? Whether it's you know looking back at some of the classics or just since then. I'm I'm biased 35 because it was my first Mania going. Uh, I mean, I could say the same thing about me, but I had to be stuck with Will. I'm kidding, Will. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I do appreciate the fact that you put me you put me up, dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're up to you, Willie T. Favorite Mania uh, and favorite. I, to, Ruthless Aggression Pod is going to have our asses soon. So, I've kind of already hit the first question of earliest WrestleMania was uh, 21, although I could argue that 20 might be the earliest one because I actually did get the DVD just because it looked so freaking amazing. It was like a three DVD box set that had the matches, it had like the promos, it had like interviews. Uh, I will say that a lot of the backstage interviews that they did was just so fucking amazing. Uh, <laughs> there's one with, with uh, Mean Gene where, where I don't know who the hell this woman was but she's interviewing a lot of the people backstage asking how they what the hell they felt about Wrestlemania and stuff like that and Mean Gene talks about how you know, it's like, y'all started at Wrestlemania 1 and it happened at Wrestlemania 10 and now it happens again here at Wrestlemania 20 there's like this awkward brief pause and then he, he just says out of the blue and now let me get you my phone number. <laughs> just like, what the fuck, me, Gene? You, oh man, you sly dog, you. I, I just see that back there, like, oh my gosh, that's that's kind of funny. Um, as far as favorite WrestleMania, oh, I was saying WrestleMania moments, but wrestle, but favorite WrestleMania, that's gonna be even tougher because, I mean, there's a personal bias towards nineteen because. A lot of the stuff there was just absolutely great. I mean, 
certain stuff. I mean, we could definitely take out Taker's match from that because it was bad. Um, I'm trying to think of like other one. Twenty three is another one that kind of stands out, just because of the fact that it featured you know Batista versus Undertaker, um, the Battle of the Billionaires. Uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of like what were some of the other you know good matches over the. There, uh, oh, that was the Money in the Bank where Mr. Ant- Mr. Kennedy won it the first time, and then eventually lost. Fuck, now I'm sad. Um, for for me though, I think looking back at WrestleMania 31 might be my favorite, if not WrestleMania 36. I, I'm, 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 I'm gonna say 31 because happened. <laughs> You know what? We're not even going to get into that, Will, because you've already got your own show to talk about WrestleMania 36. You, know, you think the latest WrestleMania is your favorite WrestleMania? I, Why? Wow, I'm not, I guess Will's not the only one. So, here's my thought process when it comes to 36. Dude, it, it was trash. You know what? All right. I don't think it was trash, but I don't consider it a WrestleMania. Yeah, dude, it was a, it was a Wrestle House show. Well, I mean, be that as it may, there were still a lot of things I certainly enjoyed. It was awesome, it just wasn't WrestleMania. And that's open to interpretation when it comes down to it. WrestleMania is something where you definitely still feel the emotion. You feel excited. For me, yeah, I wasn't, like, there in person, but at the same time, I still kind of felt like I was there, kind of enjoying it. A lot of the stuff that happened there, you know, the tag team title matches... We're pretty good. I would even dare say the triple threat match between Morrison, Kingston, and Jimmy Uso. My God, that was absolutely phenomenal. It also has one of the quotes of the night where Jimmy Uso just says, like, he did, he did, Kofi, flatten your face like a kid pancake, boy. <laughs> just what the fuck? Where, they, where did that even come from? Jimmy Uso, first of all, no no more drinking, no more drinking, please. And second of all, keep up with these random quotes. That's amazing. Uh, for me, ultimately... It did have that moment where I legit cried happy tears because Drew McIntyre defeated Brock Lesnar. And it's been a long time since WrestleMania has definitely brought that emotion out on me, especially a main event like that. So that's kind of one of the reasons why it's very impartial for me to, you know, pick that pick that one. But I think that if I had to pick, like, one favorite, I think 31 still stands out as an amazing WrestleMania Uh for Pillar Post, it was absolutely great. Um, certain things I probably wish that could have happened, like, you know, Sting should have won against Triple H, but that's just me. What do I know? It should have not happened during the day. That should not happen at all. Uh, yeah, no, I think that it should have happened. They shouldn't have made it about WWE versus WCW, the wrestling, because we've already seen WWE that. WWE versus itself with members of the DX and NWO, because they were in both. Yeah, that was really dumb. <laughs> and Sting was in the Wolf Pack, who was technically against the classic NWO. It's so convoluted and stupid. I fucking hate that match. Fair enough. But hey, it's my it's my it's my my opinion. If you don't like it, okay, that's all I can really say about it. So thank you so much. Um, Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Hey-o. and everyone uh, is one. Hey-o. All stink. <laughs> wow. I am so glad I I'm so glad that I decided to bring you guys onto the show. God damn. This uh 
King, King Ricky, if you ever listen to the show, this is what you have to deal with on a weekly basis. I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am, I uh, saying, hey, I'm thinking about coming back on Kings one week. It has to not be on a Tuesday, though, but, you know. Well, be careful, friends. If you have an opinion, you might get trashed on. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I might get subtweeted on Twitter. Subtweeted? Oh, no. <laughs> You're still better than Slack, though. Oh man! So click clack, <laughs> click clack, slick clack. Um, all right. So because it is something that you guys do and didn't get a chance to do it this week, it's only fair that we bring in one of their segments to the show. That being King of the Night. Kate, well, what the hell is King of the Night for people that might not be familiar with it? King of the Night is where you name your top wrestling person of the week. Okay. Seems pretty good enough. So uh, I, I think, in all honesty, since you guys are kind of the innovators, you should definitely be the front runners to it. So, uh, Kate Murphy, King of the Night. Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> Sorry, wrestling's been like making me really sad, and I'm not really paying attention uh, to wrestling. Fair. Yeah. So. I guess by default, I'm gonna say Austin Theory because he hasn't been released. Fair enough, but he also but he also did have a good match on Monday Night Raw. So and he did. I mean, I mean the, he, the faction with him and Zelina and Andrade and Garza is working really, really well. He's the only white boy in a very unique faction. So I'm kind of curious to see what it's like. It's kind of like Owen Hart in the Nation of Domination. All right, Willie T, King of the Night. Oh, it's Zelina Vega, hands down. God damn it! Did you see what the fuck she was wearing? Yes, I did. Yeah, <laughs> this. I thought Kate Murphy was love my life. Sorry, Kate Murphy. Zelina Vega is number zero, and you're number one. <laughs> oh, yeah, Zelina Vega, and you know, like she was doing great on on the mic, on the stick, on um on commentary. I haven't do with fucking Jerry the King Waller. All right, like yeah, she is amazing. I love her, um, and she's incredibly talented. Damn. All right, uh, Fritz. Well, you, I was going to say something smart because like, uh, on mute on my TV right now is the Blue Jays, the game before the bat flip game in 2015. I was going to say Jose Bautista, but Jose Bautista. I watch I very little wrestling this week just because I'm at, I'm at work like every single night until at least 10. But... Uh, I did manage to watch a little bit of the AEW YouTube channel, namely the Bubbly Bunch. It's like the Brady Bunch with like the inner circle and Chris Jericho just throughout the whole thing, just going on a, going on the phone and cutting a promo. And he's like, oh wait, I have another call. It's my sister. Do you have any toilet paper? <laughs> going, so I'm, I'm just because I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna give it to Chris Jericho, but. Oh, man, the uh, the other picks here have just been also top top shelf ones. Austin Theory all day, man. But yeah, it, it, for this week it's going to be Jericho. Hey, fair enough. All right, so oh, my king of the night. Oh man, this is going to be kind of a tough one. You know what? I'm going to be the one that does this just because of the fact that it's still a sad subject, but I'm giving it to him anyway. Uh, I'm gonna give it to our bro, our bro, our broski Zack Ryder. 
guy had a really good career. He was no, in he didn't. Hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> he has more WrestleMania moments than you do, Will. Yeah, I was there. All right, that's a moment for me. <laughs> oh, you were at 32? No, but I was at two more. But <laughs> <laughs> I've probably been in, in more WrestleMania's in a crowd than Zach Wise on a card. I, All right. <laughs> I want to I want to test that theory. I actually want to test that theory. So when the, when this go, when we're done with that, I, so he was an edgehead. <laughs> so I'm counting. I'm, I'm counting out loud right now. I know you're right. He's that. probably been in every in every pre-show battle royal before they were the Andre the Giant battle royal. Like when he was the major bros. Like this is I'm talking WWE CW. He's how many WrestleManias oh, have you been to live? Well. Only two. <laughs> yes, he's Ryder, the Ryder won. Okay, Ryder won the tag team titles last year and the Intercontinental. Like what, six years ago? No, uh, no, it was more like three and years ago. Jack Memorial Battle Royal, like every other year. Yeah, he's got you beat, Broski. Man, please don't count. Okay, that's yeah, true. Okay, so I, so I know. Okay. Tech, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay, I, I know for a fact that he was in, in that ladder match at WrestleMania 32. I know that he was also on that Team Teddy versus Team Long match at WrestleMania, like, tw- was it 28 or something like that? Is that when he got kicked in the dick? Yes, yeah. that was when he got kicked in the dick. Oski. So, there's that. I'm trying to think if there was... Oh, God. Actually, you two might be tied, actually, now that I think about it. So, hey, there you go. That's even more pathetic. Yeah, shut up. Ah, oh, damn it. All right. So, all right, so guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Game Changer Podcast, but before we do, got to say thank you, Kate, thank you, Will, for being a part of the show. It's been an honor and privilege to have you guys on. Will, I'm thinking that this is one of our better runnings that we've had with you on the show, <laughs> where you're not yeah, turning... Punches weren't thrown, all right? That's a plus. No, there were punches thrown at the end, because you said Zack Ryder didn't have much of a career, so... <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I will say this I am so glad that we finally got Kate Murphy on the show it took a year but it was well worth it also, thank you for having me it was an honor to have the Queen Bee the Royal Bee whatever we like to call you we always love you but I will, I will say this that I hate the fact that it took a year and quarantine to make this happen hey anything can happen if, when quarantine happens that is true. That is very true. All right, so it's time for the cheap plugs. Obviously, you guys know that they are a part of the Kings of the Rings podcast, but don't be- don't believe us. Take it from their word. Start with you, Willie T. Where can they find you guys? And yeah, where can they send the hate mail? Yo, Jesus! Uh, hate mail, K- fuck! I keep messing that up. Indie Dusty Dave is where the hate mail goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if you want to sing me praise at T is at A R A S H United, where uh, Devin got deported. So, uh, Kate Murphy, you know I love you. I love you. Take it away. You can find me on Instagram at the Kate Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at the Kate Murphy underscore. Soon to be changed. In less than 30 days, back to the Kate Murphy. And I'm now on TikTok at the Kate Murphy, but I haven't made any TikToks yet. 
And guys, she needs more active followers because the one active follower cannot be slack. Let's just state this right now. So please check her out. It's it's awesome. She does amazing. Uh, I will say say this one oh, thing. One thing. What was that? How you know it's awesome? She's posting. Because yeah, <laughs> because I don't it, think I'm gonna be good at TikTok. I can dance. I'm not funny. I don't have children. I don't drink. I don't meet any of the criteria for TikTok. Well, I mean, you could do like the what was it like the Don't Rush Challenge where you're just playing on a ukulele and then just put, put it on the camera and then next thing you know, poof! Oh, new attire. I don't get them. I don't get them. I don't get half the challenges. Dude, my, my friend, my friend Tori did one that was absolutely funny where she was just trying to get ready. Uh, but then when she put the brush to the camera, it just pans back. And it's like nothing changed. So she tried it again. <laughs> so she tried it again, and then next, it's like nope, still nothing. So she just took that and just rolled it. If you even wanted to do something like that, you can do it. It's just one of those things where people are just being crazy. I know that WWE actually did like did one like that where it started with like our truth. The girls did it, and the guys did it. That's right. I do remember that now. Uh, so guys, if you want, they get released. Oh my god, don't you fucking say that. Don't put that out in the universe, Will. I did think that yesterday, though. I will walk to Hoboken if that happens. <laughs> or wherever the hell you are. Hey man, you can't cross the border. <laughs> I can no. climb, bitch. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, never mind. I, I, I was going to go in an in a interesting direction, but it, never mind. Um, if you want to check out uh, us here at the Game Changer Podcast, you can check out Mr. Fritz at the Legendary JF. You can also check me out at Real F and Game. Be sure to check all of us out at, at underscore Wrestle for WrestleAct Radio's Twitter. And hey, we are available on Anchor, YouTube, so many different areas that you can find your wrestling podcast deals on. It's absolutely fun. It's absolutely great. And hey, we're also on Patreon where we're still giving away free stuff. So enjoy that while it lasts. It's absolutely amazing. Stuff like the 20 Bell Salute by Mr. Fretz, uh, Love and War by Kate Murphy and King Ricky, uh, possibly Wrestle, Wrestle Wars with Will. Who knows at this point? It might be just a gaming channel at this point. When I, when I, when I get around to it. I, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I should mention the 20 Bell Salute had a very special intro, so check it out, folks. I won't spoil who it is. I, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to be that big of a dick this time around. You've already posted it. I think people know who it is. Uh, let's just let's just say that it's a former ECW champion and a good one, not Ezekiel Jackson, because that would just make people sad. So, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and hey, please support your fellow wrestlers by buying some of their merch and showing their lo- showing love to them on social media. They definitely can use them now more than ever. So. For the Kings of the Rings podcast, at least two-thirds of them. For Mr. Legendary JF, Mr. Fretz, I've been Nate the Effing Great. You've been listening to the Game Changer podcast. This has been chaotic. This has been absolutely not what I was expecting. But to be fair, definitely check out our, our stuff with Ant. It's even crazier. So thank you guys so much. See you in the next episode. Peace. Go on the paper. <laughs>